Blog Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful leaders in the business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, your Hieronymus Bosch of business. And this day, my friend, whip out your cutlass because you're going to get excited. We are going to unearth all the real truth about the business of piracy. And we're going to take a look at Pirate Sam Bellamy, who I term the Bill Gates of Pirates, how he got his amazing revenue stream about the beginning of the 1700s. And we're going to find out who was benefiting then and now from that revenue stream. How are the treasure hunters getting any gold? Are the explorers? What kind of gold are the archaeologists getting? Who Those folks who are raising the uh, artifacts from Pirate Sam's sunken ship, which sunk right off the coast of East Ham, Cape Cod, Mass. What gold are they bringing you? And also, what are their rewards? Yeah, w- yes, we are going to trace the ill-gotten revenues launched from the golden age of North American piracy from Sam Bellamy, uh, down in the Caribbean, where he won it all, and we're going to take it to the murky depths of ocean and greed. It's a whale of a tale, my friend, and taking you down under is the neoprene adventure and historian, Mr. Christopher McCourt, who uh, is, well, he's really a renowned underwater um, explorer, like uh, the uh, expedition leader Barry Gifford, and together they devoted they each devotedly dive down and bring up the artifacts facts of the Witta. Uh, that's the pirate ship which carried Sam Bellamy and nearly all 145 hands down to their watery grave. And Chris also, for those of you venturing up by Cape Cod, is the director of exhibits for the Witta Pirate Museum, and. There you may behold all the profits of a misspent piratical youth. (laughs) So whether you are a sharp, calculating accountant who knows the price and value of darn near everything, like Bernie, or you're the father and son team makers of impressive workplace uniforms, like old John and young John, stick with us, because we are going to separate truth from fantasy in a feast of wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Chris, I'm so glad that you could come up for air, doff your wetsuit, and weed out some of the fantasy and put a little truth in our pictures of pirates, explorers, treasure hunters, and archaeologists as well. How, how are you doing? I'm great, Bart, and uh, thank you very much for having me. This is this is very exciting. Oh, well, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. You know, Chris, just to, to sort of get an idea of it, of the whole uh, thing. Would it really be fair to say that, that uh, use, use my term, that, that Sam Bellamy was what I call the Bill Gates of pirates? I mean, he successfully captured and looted, I think, near 50 vessel, vessels. He was making his way up toward a safe haven in Maine with 50-pound sacks of precious treasure for each of his 145 men. I mean, this this is literally the golden age of piracy from 1675 to 1725. And that's a lot of loot. That was, that was no average haul, right? No, no, not at all. Um, uh, Sam Bellamy was uh, one of the most successful pirates to ever operate, um, in, especially in that area, the Caribbean and, and North America. Mm. 
Uh, he, he and his group uh, captured over 54 ships in less than a year, uh, robbing them. They, they took a few of the ships, um, but they, they took what they wanted from, from these ships. And uh, by the end, by the time they had wrecked in, uh, on Cape Cod, they had four and a half tons of silver and gold on board. Oh, my gosh. Gosh, that even, that even beats being a, a, a New York slumlord turned politician. My goodness, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> all right, now, with that just that, that little teasing nosh of today's Feast of Wisdom, uh, allow me to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a couple of utensils for furthering today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has really gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you take a look at the real unvarnished value of, that your career is giving you and see just how profitable it is for your own true ones? Or... Will you allow others' estimation of your job's prestige to dictate your its opinion of of its actual value? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, I can sense your yearning to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. So let me pull it down. And oh, okay, here's a topic. I love it. This is 47. Pirates have to dress better than IRS agents because they must appeal in person to steal your money. <laughs> and as a brief afterthought, just because it's legal or contains the blessings of those currently in power does not mean that anyone's invoice is just and proper. You have legislators, my friend, and now's the time to get to know them personally, visit them, and preemptively gain their protection. Just a thought. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, you may thank the good folks at Princeton Internet Group, who, with great good humor and expertise, handle all your web design and tech needs. Just visit them at pingsite.com. Uh, That's P-I-N-G-S-I-T-E.com. And if you'd like a bit more laughter, just uh, we have them literally by the books full at bartsbooks.com. Just go to B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, pick up your copy of 102 Best Business Quips, and you're going to have your quiver filled with a whole lot of solid arrows that's going to hit both brain and funny bone of your fellow chain gangers at work. And as a third utensil, uh, allow us to sumptuously spoon you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is, the name of the author who noted, a, dream, a goal is a dream with a deadline. <laughs> that uh, that uh, succinct little thought was spoken by another other than America's first business and self-help author, Mr. Napoleon Hill. And stick with us, if you would, because later on in the show, blurting your way comes another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls, who knows? The author of that quote, simply scrawl that sage's name down as you believe him or to be and email it right off to info at bartsbooks.com. And if you're correct, your knowledge will earn you uh, a marvelous gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So, with all our utensils in hand, let's scamper down to the lubber's hole and prepare to delve back uh, into the real world with the underwater field archaeologist, Chris McCourt, as we trace the tales of pirate treasure. Now, Chris, in a, in a nutshell, Sam Bellamy began in Cape Cod as a young man seeking a bride, 
and he ended his life tragically close, but not at her side. Could you give us kind of like a, a sketch of his ensuing pirate life? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, uh, Sam Bellamy was born in uh, Devon, England, and he moved to Cape Cod, uh, Wellfleet, and uh, he was about 23, I think, when, when he moved to, to the Cape, and he immediately met a young, a young girl, about 15. Her name was Maria Hallett, and her family uh-huh. uh, was fairly wealthy, and they fell in love. Um, but her family forbade them to get married because uh, Sam did not have uh, much for money. So Sam mm-hmm. and a friend of his who was, a, uh, was also had, had some uh, experience in, in piracy, uh, they sailed down to Florida because they had heard that in 1715 uh, a, a whole group of Spanish, uh, Spanish galleons had wrecked along the coast there. They wanted to um, – it was like a get-rich scheme. They were going to go down there and just pick yeah. up the loot off of the reefs and bring it back to Cape Cod. That sounds so easy. It, 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 to them, I'm sure it did. But uh, when, when they finally <laughs> got to, to Florida, they realized that the Spanish had set up camps all along the coast, and they were, um, they were retrieving um, the, uh, the treasure uh, with, with, the local, uh, with the local natives. So, so Sam and, and his buddy uh, skipped across to the Bahamas, where they were quickly rubbing elbows with some of the most uh, well-known pirates of the time. Uh, this would be oh. about 17... 1716, and those were uh, those guys were Blackbeard, Oliver Labouze, who was French, one of the most another very successful pirate, and another another very well-known pirate, Benjamin Hornigold. Uh, so Bellamy Bellamy fell in, in with these guys, and that was basically the beginning of his uh, piratical career. And he did well, obviously. So, and that was Sam individually. But uh, just a little bit of a thought. Uh, at the turn of the 18th century pirate, uh, tell us uh, how did he earn his money, and, and uh, was he an old guy, a young guy? Tell us a little bit. Give us a profile of the average pirate about that time. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, it's, that's something I like to talk about, because most people think of, of pirates of that time as being old, grizzly, uh, you know, uh, a peg leg and a patch. But for the most part, these were uh, young entrepreneurs, uh, uh, very adventuresome um, in their anywhere from 16 up until the early 30s. By the time huh. if you if you lived that long, <clears throat> a lot of times you wouldn't have any teeth left in your head, so it was hard to yeah. survive on a ship. But most of most of these guys were were in their in their late teens, early 20s. Mm, okay, I, I think that's that's interesting. Uh, it, it does give us a whole new picture of that, and. Uh, if, you, if you've just joined us, by the way, you're, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misunderstood uh, realms of cyberspace, where you may download uh, it by visiting theartoftheceo.com. And The Art of the CEO is presented by the good graces of Amson Art and Design Company, helping your business make great impressions on people who count. Now, Chris... Uh, here we've got this. We, we've got this great pirate hall. It's, it's a revenue stream, uh, and the coin and the jewels—they all sink. Uh, but their substance and value really remain. And anyone smart enough to to liberate them uh, at any time can uh, can make it rich, so, or make it better, make it something. Uh, so, 18 years ago, you hooked up with a treasure hunter named. Uh, 
Barry Gifford. Now, I, I, I'm probably saying, I don't know if, if treasure hunter is the right word. But anyway, you met Barry, and what was he hunting for? I, uh, yep, I, uh, it's, um, I met Barry actually uh, about 25 years ago and started working for him about 20 years ago. And he had already found the Witta. He, he had discovered where it was uh, back in 1984. And uh, huh? I was kind of begging him for a job. Uh, I was willing to do anything um, just to be a, a part of, of the project. I, I grew up here on the Cape and had always heard stories from my grandmother and, and, her, and her family about the Witta. And um, so he'd searched for it for two years physically and, and started finding artifacts in 1984. And the thing that separates Barry from a lot of other uh, people that have discovered shipwrecks with treasure is that um, he actually has never sold anything from the Witta and, and doesn't plan to, oh. which really separates mm. him and us from, from uh, the treasure hunting community. We're uh, underwater explorers, and like you said, I'm a field archaeologist, which means I work in the field, and uh, the, the other guys that, that work with us are field archaeologists as well. Right. Well, I think you've got you have that now. Uh, there is something to be gained by by Barry's method and yours, uh, but just uh, let's look at. I, I'm looking at this from a businessman or an investor's point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, the regular treasure hunter, the guy who goes there wants to seize what he can, sell what he can. Um, I'm going to scour the ocean and desert isles, look for lost treasures. Uh, would you say that this is? Uh, a re really good career move for making a fortune or uh, a really good uh, move for an investor to put his money behind? Uh, that's Yeah, I get that question a lot at, at, our, at our museum. Um, no, it's, it's not a very good way about, uh, of going about trying to make a living. You're, you're better off playing the lottery. Um, a, lo a lot of these guys <laughs> have to, um, they have to uh, get investors in order to invest in their scheme. And the thing sure. is, when you have investors that pay a lot of money um, they, into a project like this, they're going to expect a return. And oh, that, yeah. doesn't always, that doesn't always work out. And in uh, the case of, um, say, Mel Fisher in, in the Florida Keys, it's an incredible story there. But he had mm -hmm. investors and, you know, had trouble, was, wasn't able to pay them back at, um, at some point and ended up giving away a lot of the, the, the precious artifacts that, that they found. So in our case, at, uh. at this stage, we don't have any investors. We, we keep everything. Um, so it's a much better way. We, we're funded with our, our museums um, as opposed to uh, selling any of the artifacts, which separates us, again, from from um, from people that are actual treasure hunters, that's the big that's the big difference. So it goes to show that perhaps more money can be made by contributing to society than trying to rip it off uh, or or scour the dead. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the museums. Where, if I wanted to see some of this marvelous treasure, uh, I mean, the idea of uh, 145 guys, 50-pound sacks, and 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 all the not to mention just the historical value. Where, where can I go to to see uh, your the museums? Well, we have three. We have three exhibits. Um, two of them are on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. One of them uh, is in Provincetown. That's been there for about 25 mm -hmm. years. Our big one, right. our new museum, is in West Yarmouth, Massachusetts. Um, and then we have another one that's traveling the country, and that is um, right now it's in Portland, Maine. It'll be there till October, and then it will travel 
um, to another another museum. But but this is a solid way for us to to, to fund our expeditions and our and our work. Um, it's it allows the public to see things that they will never be able to see anywhere else because the Witta is the very first pirate ship that's ever been discovered, and to this day, it's the only pirate treasure that you will ever see. Um, Anywhere, uh, no matter what you might hear or read online, uh, the wit is the only fully documented, 100%, yes, this is a pirate ship, and yes, this is real stolen pirate treasure. Now, you actually, uh, as I recall, you had absolute 100% undeniable proof when you brought up the bell of the ship, of the Witta ship, right? Yeah, the bell, came, um, the bell came up in 1985. That was before my time. Um, like I said, mm-hmm. the first artifacts were found in 84. People were having a hard right. time, um, uh, the press and, and different archaeologists were having a hard time believing that, that Barry uh, Clifford had actually discovered the Witta. Um, they were bringing up artifacts from the time period. They were bringing up treasure, weapons. Uh, but it wasn't until 1985 when that bell came to the surface, a big bronze bell. It says, the Witta Galley, 1716. That was proof positive, and that's one of the first things you'll see uh, in, in, at our museum in West Yarmouth, and it, it is breathtaking. But that, that is the soul of the ship, and that's what really um, was a defining moment in, in Barry's career with the Witta. Well, well, as you say, Barry Clifford is an exception, and he has, by contributing, he has made a real name for himself. He has gotten... Uh, as and and you, uh, he's gotten the rewards of contributing and giving something to society, and so uh, perhaps being, uh, and he now has the National Geographic. You 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 fellows have the National Geographic uh, Society behind you, and so you you really have, in in a very real sense, hit the money, haven't you? Yeah, that's exactly. In in 32 years, um, Barry has come so far. And he's put his his heart and soul um, into this project, and 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 all of us do. We're a small group um, that that all work together, um, and it's 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 blood, sweat, and tears. Um, there's there's no oh, yeah. easy way uh, around this. There's no. Uh, it's 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 fun. It's exciting, but it's also a lot of work. But it's very rewarding work. It's it's the kind of the kind of job that you 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 have to take home with you at night, no matter what, because it's there's always something going on. <laughs> You know, very well, rarely I get, understand. get real you're, you're taking part of it home because you just you're taking some of the paint from the boat home, which you've just finished painting. I think, right? That's yep. That's uh, covered in in black bottom paint as we're talking right now. Oh my God! That's why they called them tars, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I think so that now, uh, with, with our heads all filled with tails, we're, we're going to get to the work. We're going to get to how it's done. Um, but as for now, with, with all the tales of Eld and the prophets of today, which we're beginning to see, uh, I think it's time for us to take a pause, uh, a brief sorbet, if you will, for our Feast of Wisdom, and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose companies, I'm sorry, by whose good graces we're here today. And the first is um, our presenting sponsor, Amston Art and Design in Browns Mills, New Jersey. And i got to tell you, my friend, Dorothy Amston's shop is a place where you're going to find quality. Have you ever just picked up a book and felt as if your eyes were drawn in to read on and on? Well, that's the real quality difference that the good layout makes. And Dorothy's T. 
team does this for uh, Prometheus Publishing's books, and I think you're going to like what she could do for yours or or for your next published report if you want it to be striking and engaging without all that senseless glitz that you see in a lot of this stuff. But if that's what you see, just wriggle your little uh, emailing digits and contact Dorothy at AmsonArch.com. That's D-O-R-O-T-H-Y at A-M-S-D-E-N-A-R-T.com. And while we're sort of blundering along the subject of quality and caring quality, let me tell you about the Princeton Internet Group, which is run by a marvelous gentleman, Rob Frieda, and his exquisitely capable team. They are the ones who uh, can handle uh, and create your website. They've actually done one of ours, The Art of the CEO website, which uh, everyone keeps praising. Uh, it's it's more than just being technically expert. Rob and Martin and the entire crew there sort of have an instinctive feel for what a business or an individual wants. They've been designing it right with for Fortune 500 uh, and for small companies since 1998. And most important, this is Princeton Internet Group embraces your personal needs. So. If you seek some capable hands for your web and tech challenges, just reach out to the Princeton Internet Group at pingsite.com. That's P-A-N-G-S-I-T-E. And, oh, by the way, while you're roaming around Bart's books, do not forget to click on that little blue mailbox. That's a great little thing on our website that allows you to have winging your way through the eternal enigma of email a fresh quip with the afterthought, just like we had earlier. Uh, every week, it'll sort of give you a little social ammunition, and you might enjoy it, and it's absolutely free. We pass that on to you. And bling, all the messages now return with me to the ways of pirates and the feast of archaeological wisdom brought to you by the expert field archaeologist who has fondled more of Pirate Sam Bellamy's treasure than you might gleefully imagine. Uh, Chris, you, uh, we were talking just as we uh, broke about the, the work that goes into it and the training and so forth, and you really are the triumph. You yourself are the triumph of passion over Ph.D. You are a respected and, and incredibly prolific archaeologist bringing up uh, an amazing number of artifacts, and you've got both the, the sort of the uh, Indiana Jones style, but you've also with a great deal of scholarly history. But you've been doing this, uh, your underwater expeditions around the globe, and you've found a museum, and you've done all of this in a way that's very unusual, at least I find it. I, I've reported and worked with archaeologists from Mycenae to Tibet to Tasmania, and most of these are people who have ground through an immensely long academic career with doctorates and, and so forth. But you moved yeah. right into this highly responsible position without slogging through the, the more traditional route. How did you... Uh, what was uh, I guess I should ask what what special skills uh, did you bring to it? Uh, uh, well, how, I did, how could I follow your route? I always say it's my big mouth uh, that that got me here. Huh. Um, no, I, I I went to college. I, I graduated with a degree in creative writing. Believe it or not, um, uh-huh. but it was, it was uh, wise man. Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, not to my uh, not to my parents, but um, um, it was it was. Being able to join Barry and the group and working right alongside with with people that did spend years and years and years at university, and I just stuck with it. Um, I, I listened. I learned. Um, 
working side by side with with, with these people and um, just being fortunate enough to be surrounded with with this great talent and you know, I, it's been 20 years uh, with Barry so far and uh, the group the people that that all work together are it's, it's what really holds us us together um, and you know I, I, that's really the the answer that, um, that I have Bart it's just being able to work with people working hard um, there's no question um, it's, it's not the kind of thing where you punch in at nine and you punch out at five it's it's a lot of, of studying on, on, on your own, and I, I lived for a year in England, uh, London, just mm-hmm. so that I could go to the National Archives there uh, almost every day to look up no. the pirate history, and um, it's, 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 it's like putting both feet in the water and not turning back, getting up off the couch and, and getting into the water and, and just doing it um, physically, just physically being there. You know, showing up is, what is it, 90%? So I just showed right. up. But you did a lot more than showed up. And my friends, I'd, I'd like to say that we have just heard a timeless truth from Chris in that you don't need the formality of education, but you do need the education. I hope you he- heard how he went to uh, England to live just to study in the archives, study that he did on his own, and he made it. Just like Roy Chapman uh Andrews, paleontologist par excellence, who started out sweeping the floors in the Natural History Museum, but he studied on his own, and this is what's there. And if uh, you believe in the Edison idea that opportunity is often missed because it dresses like overalls and looks like work, uh, you can too can follow and do what you want. You don't need to follow someone else's path necessarily. Now, Chris. Um, I just want to know, uh, you go out, you were telling me that you go out as often as you can. You go out about every 10 days, you go out for three days. Give us the yeah. schedule of, of how you go out. And, uh, and to, to, first of all, tell us, I, I know that the wit is about 1,500 feet offshore, and it's about 20 or 30 yeah. feet down in some yeah. terribly hard-swirling uh, currents. So tell us your, your schedule and, and how you sort of get set to, to, to do the dig. Yeah, we um, well the Witta hit a sandbar uh, April 26, 1717, about 500 feet off the beach in about 15 feet of water with 30 foot seas pounding on it. So uh, it didn't actually sink uh, the way maybe a traditional shipwreck would. So today um, the site lies about 1500 feet off the beach because Cape Cod continues to erode, and uh, sure. the artifacts yeah the artifacts today are buried in the sand um, in buried under 10 to 30 feet of sand and this is the atlantic ocean yeah it, it's it's this is when i say not easy it's it's you know it, it i mean it how do you move um, 10 to 30 feet of sand slowly <laughs> um we, uh, <laughs> it's uh yeah it's it's quite a thing we'll um we work from uh, June into the end of October, weather depending, and um, like you say, we usually go out for three to five days every, every ten days, uh, again, depending. Um, we have a, an 80-foot ship that has um, right. a, special, a special diverter. It's, it's a big uh, aluminum shield that's lowered right behind our two propellers. And it's those mm-hmm. propellers spinning up against that plate that allows us to dig through the sand. Now, in order to do that, oh, so we you have use to... the ship's propellers 
You use the yeah. ship's propellers, that power, to sort of swirl up the sand, right? Exactly, yeah. It's called prop wash diversion. Huh. And, um, but it's, huh. it's, not as, it, it's harder than it sounds because we have to set uh, seven 100-pound anchors all around our ship like a spider's web so that we oh don't lose. Because we'll pick a spot with GPS where we want to dig for whatever reason, right. and we don't want to uh-huh. move at all. So we have those 700-pound anchors. We lower the, the shield behind the propellers, and then we run the boat in gear at about 1,500 RPM, and that starts moving the sand away. And we can watch this process with a camera that we have uh, lowered over the, over the stern of our ship. Uh, so we were very careful to watch as we're moving the sand. But we've never seen artifacts in that sand layer. It's always gonna, they're always going to be on the hard pan bottom, the clay bottom underneath all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yep. I, I know this. Uh, the, the machinery all sounds fine and, and wonderful, but it all comes down to it, as archaeology does, you, with, with f- fins on the wa- fins on the earth or fins on the sand. You've got to be down there. Uh, so you sort of go down and follow this thing down, right, in the middle of all of this? Uh, we, we do not allow anybody in the water while our propellers are running. Um, they right. would, the, these are 42-inch propellers that are, are spinning madly fast. <laughs> and uh, uh, you have to understand, this is the, yeah, this is the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the currents are very, very strong uh, coming north, coming south. So um, our diving activities are very structured. Um, we, have a, we have a couple of really great dive supervisors um, because we have to, you know, safety obviously is the most important thing, and um, we take that very, very seriously. Oh, um, sure, so, sure. So digging a pit can take anywhere from uh, an hour to uh, a whole day, and we're monitoring this as we go. We'll stop occasionally and put a diver down to, to inspect and then come up. Once we remove the sand, once we have a, a pit, which is usually about 12 feet at the bottom, and then the berm at the top can be around 30 feet, uh, we're down. We see cobblestones and, and clay. That's where we start working. Right, I see. And then you guys can bring it up. Of course, I'd love to go on and really get get deeper in every sense of the word in more detail. But I, I hate to say it. We're running out of time here. Could you give us just one? You've told us how we can come to the museum. Could you tell people who are interested in your field of uh, field archaeology and, and how they want to learn a little bit more about the Wuda and your work, how can they get in touch with you? Uh, absolutely. Um, well, we have a couple of sites uh, on, online. Uh, discoverpirates.com should be visited. Okay. Also, uh, we're on Facebook. Uh, look, just look up the Wida, W-H-Y-D-A-H. And um, mm-hmm. if you are anywhere near Massachusetts, it's well worth it to take a trip to Cape Cod and see our big new exhibit in Yarmouth. It's in West Yarmouth. Mm-hmm. And the phone number there is 508-534-9571. And you can buy tickets online. You can, you can call up and get tickets. But it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Uh, it truly is. It's, you, you'll, you'll never see anything like it uh, anywhere else. I thank you so much. I, I speak as one who has been there, and I, you, you are only under 
estimating what is there. It, it's, 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 you're being actually modest. It's an amazing thing to see. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, and we will have you back. I, I guarantee you when, when – uh, so when you find something new or you're off to another venture or, or you're off uh, – to uh, Mozambique, wherever you you uh, are digging next, yeah. uh, I hope you let us know, and and we can uh, come in and and have you back on again. Well, thanks, Bart. I will definitely keep you uh, posted on that, and I really appreciate being on your show. It's been great. This has been a lot of fun, and thank you, Chris. So as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. Who said, when facing a verbal salvo from a stranger, your words surround you like fog and made it and make it hard to see you? <laughs> and as a hint, the author of this was a contemporary of Pirate Sam Bellamy, and he even shared his black trade and perhaps even a slightly more devilish reputation. So as you ponder uh, that business quotation and its author, please remember that it's brought to you by the folks from Princeton Internet Group, your authority for web design and technological development. Just visit pingsite.com. And remember, if you are the author, if you know the author of this quote, uh, just scribble that name down as you believe him or her to be and send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life-changing, career-igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, praise like power is as fleeting as romance in a brothel. For a richer diet... Try growing your own accomplishments and dining off their harvest. And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the art of the so, as art of the CEO. I'm sorry, uh, as much as Chris and I have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows at theartoftheceo.com. And finally, to you, who have honored us with your time, may I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.